the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everyone, this is Russell Cox, editor of the Municipal Association of South Carolina's Uptown Publication. We are here today with Scott Slatton, the Association's Director of Advocacy and Communications, as well as Caitlin Cothran, Manager for Local Revenue Services. Scott and Caitlin, welcome back. Thank you, Russell. It's always fun, especially with you two, so I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) So we are here to talk again about business license standardization. The South Carolina Business License Tax Standardization Act passed uh, back in September 2020 has a compliance deadline of New Year's Day, January 1st, 2022. Now that we are into July, that means that there are less than six months to go until cities and towns need to have done all of the work to meet the requirements of this new law, Act 176. So my question for the two of you is, um, with all of the work that association staff has been doing with cities and towns to standardize, to be in compliance with this law, what is the message this moment in time for municipal staff where they should be at this point in the process? Well, I, Russell, for our listeners' planning purposes... If I were them, it's not July. You might as well consider it September, okay? So <laughs> you, you got a lot of work to do between now and the end of the year, mm-hmm. and it's we're getting, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. And if you haven't taken uh, a number of the steps that we've been advising for uh, almost six months, seven months now, uh, you need to get started right away, and even if you get started now, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. But we can we can get you there. We can get you compliant with the law, but it's going to take a lot of work uh, and some very uh, some very diligent planning and execution on everybody's part. So that would be that would be my primary message at this point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along those lines, my message would be. You know, you, you said you're running out of time, and I think my message would be there really isn't much time. You know, not much time left. If we put it into perspective, there's seven steps on the road to compliance that we've put together, and you have five months to do seven steps. So that's more than one step every month until the end of the year, because it's effective January 1, so it really needs to be completed by December 31st. But it can be done, um, and there are lots of cities and towns who have are in pretty good shape with their business license program already, but it's those who haven't kept up with their business license ordinance and the changes in business licensing over the years that are going to find themselves further behind the, the curve than others. But that doesn't mean that people who are perhaps way behind, they shouldn't just throw up their hands and say, well, we can't get it done. There's nothing we need to do. You don't have a choice. It is, uh, it's, it's the, the law. law. And so, uh, w- you know, that's why we're, we as the association are here to try and get people moving in the right direction as quickly as possible and, and get them as cl- compliant on time or as close to on time as we can. 
Yeah, like Scott said, if you have been keeping up with business licensing and updating as you've gone along, as we've pushed out updates, things like that, those first two steps are just converting your license years, the step one. So if you're already running um, May 1 to April 30th license year, you're, you're done with step one. Mm-hmm. And step two is reviewing your data before you send it to us to help assist you with rebalancing. So if you're using the most recent NAICS codes, which were released in 2017, those are updated every five years. Can, can NAICS you stands the f- for there it North is. American Industry Classification System. Um, those are the codes that you use to identify the business and the industry and sub-industry they're working in. Mm-hmm. So if you've kept that updated and you've kept your ordinance updated and you have the right class schedule and the correct li- license year, then those first two steps should be relatively simple and easy. Mm-hmm. It's that third step, that rebalancing step that's going to take most of your time and is what I've been telling people who I am the contact for. That is what's going to take the majority of your time is step three. And Caitlin, you've introduced us to a new concept, the rebalancing queue, not the letter Q, Q, the line you stand in. Yes, Q-U-E-U-E. Yes, not like barbecue or as some people have been spelling it, but I digress. Or or pool queue. Yeah. <laughs> C-U-E. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You would think of that, Scott. Um, <laughs> no. Well, I did spend a lot of time at Scandals in Rock Hill in college. So. <laughs> So, um, obviously, there are 234 cities who need to rebalance, and there's about 12 of us on staff that are working on rebalancing. So, you do the math. We're all handling at least 20 cities apiece, I think, to work through this. Now, most of those cities, we have gotten through the process, or at least currently working on their data. Mm-hmm. Over 100 of those cities, around 115, we don't have their data yet, and some of them we haven't been able to get in contact with recently. Mm-hmm. So if you're on the back end of that, I would say you're going into this queue. We've had a queue all along as we've gotten data from people to help them rebalance. And when I say queue, I mean, you get your 2020 data together in a pre-formatted spreadsheet that we give you the format for and the sample of. And you put your 2020 business license data into that spreadsheet because Act 176 says we are rebalancing to what you collected in 2020. So that's going to be 2019 gross income. And we should, if we haven't done so yet, define rebalancing in this context. Yeah, that that is a process that the General Assembly was interested in, very similar to when you have to roll back your millage after a property tax reassessment. So in South Carolina, every five years, uh, pro- uh, property taxes have to be rebalanced so that the new assessed value doesn't provide a windfall for cities and towns and counties if they leave their property tax millage where it is. So after the five-year reassessment, generally property values increase So if you continue to to levy the same millage, you as a city would receive more in property tax revenue. Well, in South Carolina, uh, cities and counties aren't allowed to realize that windfall, that extra new revenue on property taxes, uh, except under some special circumstances. Very similar, similar to that. Uh, the General Assembly, when they passed Act 176, wanted to make sure that as a result of all of the cities and towns being put onto the standard class schedule, 
that they did not reap a windfall. They didn't get new revenue from that, that reclassification or the movement of businesses from their old classification system to the new class schedule uh, that the Municipal Association has maintained for 35 years or whatever. Yeah, and I want to emphasize rebalancing, for us at least, is not a new concept. We Mm -hmm. try to encourage cities to do this anytime they update their NAICS codes or they change their class schedule or anything like that. It's, It's a good practice. But for a lot of our cities who haven't been doing that, rebalancing is is going to be a new concept for them. Mm -hmm. And the law mandates this. It's not, it's not optional. You need to go through this process because like Scott said, you have to be at, you're not going to be a hundred percent revenue neutral because nobody has a crystal ball and we can't predict the future. That's impossible, but we're just trying to get as close as possible to predicting revenue neutrality for you in the first year of implementation, yeah, which is 2022. And and the law accounts for new businesses that have started since that 2019 license year, Mm -hmm. um, that that revenue year, so that if you've got new businesses that opened in the last year and a half or two years by the time we get to January 1, then cities can, you're allowed to keep that or to, uh, uh, it's not uh, realized that new that new revenue from new businesses. So the law says that you can't collect more revenue in 2022 from the same businesses than you did in the 2020 license year, which, as Caitlin said, is based on 2019 business revenue, which was obviously prior to the pandemic, so that cities aren't penalized. Uh, by that, uh, by by the effects of the pandemic. Now there, they could be, and they will be, probably in some cases where you lost businesses that won't that won't be in existence uh, in 2022 that were paying a business license tax in 2019. That's part of the the rebalancing equation where we're trying to help cities and towns sort of smooth out those peaks and valleys and make it fair for the cities and fair for the businesses as well. Now, something that, that everybody needs to understand about this rebalancing process, which takes the most amount of time and is the most complicated step, we only have to do this by state mandate, by law, this first year of implementation in 2022. That's right. Unlike with the property tax assessment that I gave you, uh, example I gave you a minute ago, which happens every five years under the business license statute currently, you only have to do it the one time. From that point forward, cities and towns can go back to setting their proper, I mean, their business license tax rates, however they see fit and however they can justify it. They can raise them, they can lower them, uh, whatever they want to do. But this first year is the required um, revenue neutrality. Yes, that's why I was saying it's not optional this time. Right. I want to clarify something that Scott mentioned, which was when he says 2020 license year, unlike when we're discussing fiscal years where you use the ending year, if you're talking about the 2019 to 2020 fiscal year, you would call it the 2020 fiscal year. When we're talking about business licensing years, we're using the beginning year, which I know is confusing. So we're saying 2019 gross income is for the 2020 to 2021 business license. Yeah, you're collecting, you're levying that tax on the previous year's uh, business license gross income. Yes. Yeah. So back to the queue that we were discussing and not getting trapped in the the bottom of the queue and us trying to rebalance all of you at one time. Mm -hmm. 
So once you get your data together and you work with your contact or your liaison, which is a fancy word for contact, contact. Um, you're going to send us that data and we are going to look at that and figure out how to rebalance you. Now, because there, there are so many of you and so few of us, you're going into this queue. So the longer it takes you to get your data accurate and get it to us, the further down the queue you fall. And you don't want to be at the bottom of that queue because right now it's taking us anywhere from two to three weeks to get to you once you get on the queue, right? So once you get in the list, it's taking us two to three weeks to get to you and rebalance your project. So the longer you wait and the more people that get in there and the further down the list you are, the longer it's going to take to get there. And clean data is not hard to achieve, I don't think, uh, for no, a we, city to, I mean, you're just talking about making sure that they, the business is assigned to the correct next code, um, that there aren't And it's any, a current next code. It's a current next code. Uh, which you can find online. You go to the IRS's website, irs.gov, and search for NAICS, and you can get and, and then do a next code lookup for just about any kind of All business. All of those links are on our website as yep. well, which is www.masc.sc. The keyword is standardization, and you'll find the seven steps, and we provide links to all of these things that we're discussing. So... Once the cities that are in the queue, once they are working with staff on rebalancing, how long does rebalancing take at that point? It depends on how good your data is. So you're going to go to your liaison in person first, and mm -hmm. they're going to do a double check of your data, just making sure that everything you said was inside looks like it's inside. Everything you said's outside looks like it's outside. Um, outside businesses should have double right for the same NAICS code with roughly the same gross income. So they're just spot checking it. They're looking at all of your NAICS codes, making sure they're at least six digits, making sure that they're accurate. So if the data is good, clean data, we mm -hmm. can rebalance in two to three hours, depending on how many license accounts there are. Obviously, if you have, are a small city and you have roughly two or 300 licenses that we're looking at, it's going to take us less time than our larger cities where we're looking at possibly 10,000 licenses. And clean data means also that you want to make sure your data reflects what's in your city or town's business license ordinance. In other words, if there is a special rate that your, your city applies to a particular industry, then that needs to be reflected in the data so that if, if, you, if, if you ran the calculation for that particular industry sector and it didn't look it, it wasn't it didn't reflect what's how it's supposed to be calculated according to the ordinance then that's a problem because what we're doing is not only are we looking at the raw data we're comparing it to what your ordinance is telling us that that data is supposed to look like yes that's so, what i was gonna say when we're spot checking we're saying this next number falls into this rate class in the ordinance is that what it's doing in the data right and so if the more of those kinds of um, disparities we find in the data, it takes us a while to, un first of all, figure out what's going on and then untangle it so that we can, we can ask the right questions of whoever is the contact within the city or a town. And of course that takes time. Uh, you got to go back and forth. And so that extends that queue timeline out even further 
in some cases. So the, the clean, clean data on the front end is extremely important. And, and, and we're not talking about a really super complicated process here. Uh, for those cities and towns that are using business licensing software, uh, most of the time you're able to just export the information that we're looking for into a uh, into an Excel spreadsheet that we give you, as as Caitlin mentioned earlier, and uh, and then you can then you can scrub that data to make sure it's clean. But we go we're going through this explanation so that everyone understands why it's going to take us some time uh, if once you get into that queue. To, to get you information back to if you're a staff person in particular, but to get that information back to your city council or your town council or county council in some cases to decide how you want what you want to do with your rate structure, because that's the other part. That's one of the next steps is making a decision on where the rates should be set in order for you to stay revenue neutral or in some cases if you're going to lose, say your city's going to lose some revenue, but the, the the policy decision is that we don't want to force these some of these businesses to pay more, well then your council's got to have the decision, the discussion about whether or not it wants to eat that lost revenue or make up a, make up for it in someplace else. Yes, which goes to what I was going to say next. So step three is the rebalance. Step four and five are adopt class schedule and replace ordinance. I've had some cities reach out to me and others on staff who are saying, well, while we're waiting on our rebalancing, can't we just go ahead and adopt the ordinance? And the answer to that is no, because you don't know until you rebalance what needs to be in your ordinance as far as your rate schedule Mm -hmm. and what rates need to be in there. And we're wanting you to repeal and adopt the rate schedule and the ordinance and everything in its entirety at one time. So you need to rebalance so that you know what the rates are going to be to put into your new ordinance. Yeah, a lot of the ordinance is administrative in nature, certainly, but there are there are enough important components of the ordinance that are tied to the class schedule uh, and the rate schedule that y- they can't be separated and they, they have to be adopted as a package. Um, and for those cities and towns, we've run across this on occasion, cities and towns adopted the 2019 model ordinance that the association pushed out, obviously, in 2019. And they think, well, that's that's compliant with the statute. It is not. It is not. We have The law was passed after that. Yeah, it was passed in September of last year, 2020. So the 2019 ordinance, while it's, it's closer than a lot of your older ordinances, it is not compliant with Act 176. So another question that we get a lot of is, why can't I just redline it like I've done with prior ordinances? You know, I went from this model ordinance to the next model ordinance to the next model ordinance, and I didn't repeal the entire thing. I just made updates. And and we are asking you not to do that because this new ordinance is so different. Um, we basically scrapped the old one and started over. And I know if y'all have been listening to these podcasts, you've heard me say that, but we really did. We brought in external attorneys. We discussed it among 10 or 12 staff members. We essentially rewrote the entire thing, and it comes with its own user guide to explain what we did to it. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it like this. my I bought a 2004 F-150 Heritage, it was called, the, the truck. It was the old 150 body style and never heard of this kind of truck okay. in the same in the same year in 2004 <laughs> ford came out with the new body style of the f-150 
They were both they were both manufactured in the same year, and they were called an F one hundred and fifty, but they were entirely different trucks. So uh, while they sounded the same, they were not the same truck. And you couldn't just take it to the shop and get the upgrade. Exactly. Right, that that's exactly right. Yeah you you could not take you couldn't take the old one hundred and fifty that I bought and say okay turn it into the new 150 you just couldn't do it you had to you had to buy two separate automobiles yes. that's exactly right yes. so. and the reason we did that is because under act 176 there are things that were in the prior ordinance that changed based on the law the appeals processes have changed the way that you're handling third parties the way that you're handling even manufacturers and contractors may change depending on what you were doing mm-hmm. prior to September of 2020 um, oh, and the class schedule itself, we've added an entirely new class, which are class nines. So basically before where we were saying these are your class eights and in your class eights, you have everything mandated by law, which is still mandated by law, railroads, amusement machines, pool halls, bingo halls, things mm-hmm. like that. We're saying those are now class eights and only things mandated by state law are now class eights because you can't touch those. You can't change them. You can't modify them. You have no control over those because they're written into state law. Everything else now we're calling class nines. So anything that you had put into eight previously as a city because that's where you needed to put it. Maybe you had hotels in a special category because they created an undue burden or hardship on the city. Those are now going to be in class nines. Class eights essentially locked down. Think about it like that. Yeah, and and council needs to understand these changes, get a good grasp on it, and understand why some of these changes took place. And it's going to perhaps take some explanation uh, by the staff and uh, hopefully your municipal attorney as well, uh, so so that they can best communicate to the public. Uh, why they why they've taken made some of the decisions that they have, and that takes time. And again, it's September, so uh, you're going to need you're going to need as much time as you can to talk to your businesses and and the public. And so, and let's talk about the the public outreach. That's a, that's another really important part of this process, and that is communicating these changes that are coming to your business community. Uh, they need to understand why this is happening, what what sort of an effect the new law is going to have on what they pay and how they pay. Um, and that takes time to get that information out to those businesses uh, via all of your social media channels, perhaps by direct mail, by you know whatever means cities use to communicate to the business community. But that needs to be that needs to start. Now, yeah, I was going to say we have this listed as step seven and we call it notifying your stakeholders, but we really want to encourage you don't wait till the last moment to do this. Start having these conversations with your businesses while they're coming in now. Start talking to your council members about it now. Start talking to your staff about it now. And I'm sure you're thinking, how in the world am I going to explain this to business owners? Well, under step seven. Yes. Go ahead, Russell. (laughs) That we have you covered on that issue. Yeah. Yeah. So we went through and we kind of tried to figure out what are the stakeholders that you would need to notify. You need to be able to talk to your council members. You need to be able to talk to your staff members. You need to be able to talk to businesses. And so we went through and under step seven have listed talking points and even language that you can copy and paste from our website and put it into emails and letters to all of these individuals to help you explain these changes and what's going on. 
And to that end, we are, as an association, working with the State Chamber of Commerce to do training. Uh, we're scheduling training with the Association of General Contractors to explain the changes to them. So uh, we're, we're, we're Brand we're is also creating a video just for business users yep. that we'll share so you can give to businesses that have questions about how to use the portal. And it's important that they learn how to use the online, the local business license renewal center that is uh, going to be featured on the internet for, for businesses to pay all, renew all of their business licenses across the state uh, with all of their jurisdictions. Where yeah, they work. renew, provide documentation, pay yeah. back and forth. The portal even allows a back and forth between the business owner and the city. So. That's right. And Caitlin, one thing I've heard you talk about many times with the renewal center, time is spent getting that set up as well. Yeah, so we kind of skipped a step there. We have step six as the local business license renewal center. For many years, this thing has been in, in progress. Businesses know it as the probably the online payment portal because that's kind of how it's been discussed. But its formal name is the local business license renewal center. So if you hear us refer. I just said that. Yeah, so if you hear us <laughs> refer to the portal or the renewal center, that's the same thing. Yep. So, But, yes, yeah, so once you've gone through all these steps, Act 176 requires that you sign up for this online renewal center and allow businesses the ability to renew through this centralized payment portal. Because the whole point of this was to make it m more easy I was going to say more simpler, which is not a word. The point easier. of this is to make easier. it easier. easier. Thank you. <laughs> I caught myself. The whole point of this is to make it easier for businesses. We're trying to make some things easier for cities, but the object is to make it easier for businesses and allowing them to go to one location and renew for multiple cities at the same time is making it easier for them. I do not anticipate your mom and pop store who's on Main Street and that can just walk across the road to town hall to use this online renewal center. Yeah, this is this is just a new another option for businesses to to pay their business license tax. Yes, it and doesn't, if you it, had an online option prior to January 1 of 2018, you are welcome to keep it and yep. continue using it. This is just an additional thing that you have to offer by law. And it's free to cities and towns to use. Uh, there's a small processing fee to the business that chooses to use the online renewal, so the business license renewal center. Um, so it, they don't have to use it. They can still send a check. They can uh, walk to town hall and make the payment. So it, it's an option for convenience for them. And that's why they would pay this, this little processing fee, this convenience fee, uh, in addition to the tax they would pay. And of course, that's something that I pay, uh, regularly when I'm making payments to the Department of Natural Resources when I'm, um, renewing my, fishing licenses. It's a, a fee that I pay to Richland County when I pay my property taxes. Yes, uh, that's I'm, what I was thinking. It's, it's yep. a convenience fee and I can avoid paying that fee um, by by just simply paying in some other way if I want to. But uh, this was something that the business community was extremely interested in during the debate over this law. And uh, so the Municipal Association is providing that to businesses across the state by way of 
the South Carolina Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office, who is hosting the uh, online renewal center. And the Business License Standardization Act, Act 176, specifically says that the online renewal center or the online payment portal offered has to be free to cities. Right. And and cities are required by that law to receive all of the tax that is due to them so that the a, a third party like the municipal association cannot make any money off of the the service the software that we're offering for this the only third party who is making any money is uh, the credit card processor who's uh, who's getting the 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 few dollars of that of that convenience fee the municipal association is not making any money off of uh, off of this this program in any way I'd like to clarify, too, for those of you who are familiar with my department and what we what we do, formerly known as the, I'm like Prince over here, but the department formerly known as Collections, we're changing our name to Local Revenue Services to, to fit, you know, changing programs and adding programs and new things that we're taking on. So Local Revenue Services manages your insurance tax program the telecommunications tax program. So if you're familiar with how those work, I've got a lot of questions about, so you're collecting it and you're dispersing the funds to us like you do now and you're contacting these companies. And the answer is no, we are not doing that. So unlike the other programs, every city will have their own login for whomever needs needs to have access to it. There's different roles you can assign based on levels of access and you manage those business license accounts yourself. So you'll log in, you'll look at it, you'll approve it, ask for feedback, deny it, and move on to the next one. So the association is not doing anything other than initial setup, which includes putting population data in there based on the latest census for if railroads use it. Mm -hmm. Um, We're putting in the most recent class schedule, which is approved every two years by the South Carolina Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office. Just basic housekeeping things is what we're doing. And all of this detail we're, again, providing to you so that you understand why your city or town needs to be underway with this process right now. Yes. There's a lot of things that need to be done between now and the end of the year. And as Caitlin says repeatedly, if you think there's nothing for you to do in order to be compliant with Act 176... You, you are, are wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get started. There's at least something that you need to do uh, to get compliant. Otherwise, what if we don't get compliant, and I, and I can't stress this enough, if we as cities and towns and the nine counties across the state don't get compliant with Act 176 in as timely a way as we possibly can, then that potentially leaves the door open for legislative attacks on the business license tax going forward. And one of the reasons that it was important that we get Act 176 passed into law was to lessen the opportunities and the chances for future legislative attacks on the business license tax, which represents upwards of four to five hundred million dollars, counting the collection programs uh, that, that we operate it's a lot of money for cities and towns, uh, and it's extremely important for their general fund revenues and operating their cities and providing the services that our residents are asking for. 
And if we can't get this right, then we run the risk of further um, interference in the business license tax from the General Assembly going forward. And that's something that we all should be interested in trying to avoid. Yeah, I don't think that I can stress enough how important it is to be working on this right now. I know particularly in that I was working in a small town. I know Scott's worked in small towns. I'm hearing a lot from small towns because maybe it's one person in City Hall doing six or seven different jobs. Or maybe you're somewhere else and you're in a big town and you're still very busy. I com- We completely understand that. We hear you. We know that you're busy. And that's why we've assigned each one of you a contact. Please get in touch with that person. Please let them help you. Let us know what the hurdles are to getting this work done. Let's talk about how we can assist you. But get started doing something. And if you don't know who your contact is, that's on our website. So you can you can go to our website or you can ask Jeff Shacker or Charlie Bairdo, your field services manager. Or you can call Caitlin. You can call me. You can call you the can call main the front switchboard desk. Here at the Municipal Association, 803-933-1200, call the front desk and Vanessa will point you in the right direction. She knows. I've showed her how to get to it. She can look it up and tell you. And she is our our resident voiceover queen. Yes. You'll hear her dulcet radio tones from time to actually at the beginning Beginning of of this podcast. Yeah, Yeah, that's Vanessa. So if her voice sounds familiar, that's why. Yeah. So... Standardization is going to be one of the topics at the Municipal Association's annual meeting. That's um, July 22nd to 24th. And, Caitlin, there are also going to be several business license standardization roundtable meetings happening around the state beginning in July and uh, going through September, I believe. Can, can you talk about those? Yes. So July 20th here at the association is our first meeting. And let me jump back to annual meeting very quickly. We are putting information about standardization in your packet. You're going to get information about it in your envelope with your badge. There's going to be a standardization table at annual meeting. We have coached up every single individual who's there. If you ask them about standardization, they will point you in the right direction. I will be there. Come find me. I've actually joked about wearing a giant sandwich board and walking around in it so I'd be easy to find. And I've been shot down. So if y'all think that's a good idea, please call Todd Glover. Which they <laughs> ask me about standardization. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we are here to help. But the roundtable meetings, we are coming to you close to you. We're going to talk to you about standardization steps, the online renewal center, the anything with business licensing. If you have a general business license question that you need answered, we're going to be there and you can ask us anything, me and my staff. We're having these in Columbia, Orangeburg. I've got the dates and locations. Here. Oh, go for it, Russell. Okay, I was doing so it off the top of my head. The, the one here in Columbia, July 20th, um, August 10th is in Goose Creek, August 12th in Orangeburg, September 14th in Camden, and September 16th is in Fountain Inn. I believe they're all 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's correct. So please go online, register for one of those events. If you want to come to one, but those times or those locations don't work for you, please call me or Anita Lancaster 
I'm sorry, Lancaster. Her name is not pronounced like the city. Oh. Anita Lancaster. How about that? Fran Adcock, Kaylee Summerton on my staff. Contact one of us and we'll see what we can work out with you because we want to come to you and help you do this and answer your questions. And those trainings are primarily for staff level people. Yes. But I'm sure elected officials are welcome as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. And I guess if you're an elected official and you're listening to this podcast, you do not need to necessarily be terribly worried about a lot of the technical detail types of things that we've discussed here today, but you need to be, you know, conversant in them, but your staff people are the ones who really need to be uh, informing you about where your city or town is in this process. So provide them with the resources and the time and the opportunity to get this training and the time after the training to work on this project so that you as the decision maker can be uh, well prepared to pass the ordinance uh, when you're when it's put in front of you uh, later on this summer. Yes, that's right. That's all I had. Scott, Caitlin, thank you guys so much. Thank you. You know we could sit here and just ramble forever and ever, Russell. You could speak conversantly about business license standardization forever. <laughs> that's true. Or anything, really. Scott and I are just... Full of knowledge, useless knowledge. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we won't be talking about this come this time next year. <laughs> It'll be something else. Yes. Thanks, Russell. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.